iPhone shipments set Q2 U.S. record as competitors see pandemic decline. You know that iPhone SE? You know what, Will? It turns out people wanted a cheap iPhone. Really? Crazy idea. Crazy stuff. People wanted an iPhone uh, $399. They were sick of the $1,000 thing and... To be honest with you, Apple hadn't really played in that space in a little while at that price point, and it turns out it was it was likely the right move. It was great timing, this uh, this device, because it just sort of hit. I, I recall, I was up there quarantine filming, mm-hmm. and the SE came out, and I saw all the interest on the first couple of videos I did on, on the subject, and I realized, man, price is the thing right now. Price is the thing above all else. People love to get new things. Well, they love to upgrade their stuff, but it's just not, uh, it's not nearly as fun when you watch the bank account go to zero in order to get your new thing. That's no fun. Yeah. You want to see a few bucks left over. You want to pay the hydro. Yes. And so that's what this device allowed. It allowed for people to upgrade from devices like the iPhone 6 and 6S, which as we've talked about here, people were hanging on to those, including Tom Brady. Yeah, it's a nice uh, profile. He had the 6S in the, when he was driving around. Mm-hmm. People were very concerned. He said, you make $25 million a year. You're waiting for uh, the SE to upgrade. He was watching his bank account. <laughs> uh, so... Canalys, that's the company we've shared their data a number of times on this show. They do the work getting the figures. And, you know, the amazing part about this, uh, about these numbers, if you scroll down to the to the uh, graph, that's not a graph, that's a chart. Apple's really the only, the only company that did well out of the whole bunch, out of the big players. For some reason, Lenovo did okay, but we're talking about 10% annual growth for Apple. Uh, This, of course, takes into account the number of units shipped, not necessarily the, the, the total revenue figure. And Apple doesn't break down which devices occupied these growth figures, like what the percentage of each one was. However... There is an average smartphone sold during Q2 number, which is $503. So that number is too low, likely, to mean that the majority of these devices were the premium ones, which is the reason we can speculate that the iPhone SE was the popular choice amongst the available smartphones. So 15 million units shipped, Q2 2020 for Apple, Samsung coming in second at 7.4, And you might think 7.4, okay, not terrible, 23% market share. Well, that's minus 1% on annual growth. Hmm. People weren't as interested. Somehow Lenovo posts uh, an 8% annual growth, but still that's only 6.9% of the market, nothing major there. And the others lost 34% in annual growth, TCL minus 43%. These are US numbers, I should note. These are not global figures. This is what happened in the US and... Honestly, it appears at this point, you can't really dispute the fact that people in the U.S. were waiting for a cheap iPhone. Mm-hmm. People in the U.S. specifically, early iPhone users, iPhone 6s, 6s, as I just mentioned, even 7s and 8s. Yes. 
and they may not have wanted whatever was going on with the iPhone 10. Maybe they still wanted Touch ID. I'm sure Apple's going to be trying to uncover all sorts of data as to why this was the magic potion right here. Like I said to you, I think it mostly had to do with price, but uh, price and a, a marketplace that was uh, a little bit dented, hmm. dented by the global pandemic. You needed, we were already going that direction with price. People were paying more and more attention. They were looking for value for money and smartphone prices had been climbing, it seemed, to impossible heights. Mm-hmm. And so then this this pandemic thing just accelerated it. Uh, Apple, Apple is also going to be uh, bringing the iPhone 12 at about 699 to start. So even there, it's it's not the thousand dollar price point. So even that might be interesting to some people once that eventually hits. But it appears to I don't know. There's there seems to be a difference between 399 and 699. Right. I mean the 10R did well too. Remember? It's a few hundred dollars it difference. Was like the it's, cheaper it's a few hundred dollars difference. But yes, yeah. It's uh <laughs> there appears to be a SE. difference. Well, yeah, Lou, there's the, evidently there's a difference. Yeah. You're right. The 10R previously, but see the the thing about the 10R, I think it was 599. So you need to still step up to 100 more, but the 10R notified you in the name that it wasn't the premium device. This time around you get to get the iPhone 12, much like you did, I guess with the 11. They got rid of the R stuff right and and now so you're gonna be able to step into the 12 for 699 but it's an interesting the, the other interesting characteristic here is that the average smartphone price 500 dollars in the united states mm-hmm. so there's going to be some high price ones some low price ones but you land on 500 total and uh, apple's probably not too upset about that so it's safe to say that there's going to be a se2 in the future Maybe an SE2, or maybe you just make it part of the product line. Maybe every year you have an SE, so you have like an iPhone 12. I don't know, because it it seems, how do you keep calling, what do you keep calling these things? I know when I was trying to name it this year, it was iPhone SE 2020. Would you have iPhone SE 2021? I'm not against it, but they don't do that with anything else. Mm -hmm. Everything else is iPhone 11, 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max, 12 12 Pro, 12 Pro Max, 12 Max. There's also going to be a 12 Max, supposedly. So is there room for a 12 SE or 12 Lite? Isn't that easier for everyone? And then the 12 Lite is what the SE is right now? I don't know. I'm just talking. They probably don't want to do it because they don't want too many people buying these 399 phones. Mm. So they may actually backtrack and say, we sold too many of those things. We got to chill out. Yeah. We got to up the price 50 bucks. Oh, the the other thing I was looking for that I wanted to mention, the average uh, cost of a smartphone Q2 this year, 50 bucks, around 50 bucks less than the previous year. So if you're looking for that sort of pandemic effect, and if you're also looking for just the softness in the marketplace, people are, even in the US, people are spending less on smartphones Hmm. than they have in the past. It could be competition. It could be selection. It's a number of factors. Mm Mm-hmm. But price seems to be number one because how crazy is this? Apple, Q2, 47.1% of market market share of units. Mm. It's a big, that's a half the market, man. It's a big chunk of the pie. The Apple pie, well done. (laughs) Now, what about Samsung? So Samsung is on there and you're wondering, uh, okay, they're minus one. What was the problem there? Well, you can probably guess it's going to have something to do with the Galaxy S20. 
that's causing you problems. You put that you put out the S S20. You're using the S20, but you're the only one. You're the only guy using the S20 on planet Earth. Really? Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, they shipped one unit, had your name on. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but maybe the price wasn't right. Uh, and as you scroll down on the next article here, which it's a heck of a headline as well. You didn't buy a Samsung Galaxy S20 this spring. It just tells you you didn't do it. Uh. Willie Do did, but no one else did. Uh, from the same document, we're able to decipher which Samsung models may have been the, uh, the, the, the likely purchases, including the A-series. Offerings under $250. A10e, A20, A-series recently became available in North America. The S20, which started at $999, performed 59% worse than the Galaxy S10 lineup. When only back and back then, only one of the phones had 5G capabilities. So it doesn't seem to matter which brand it is that we're talking about. This this cost sensitivity thing appears to map accordingly to Samsung and to Apple. Maybe even more so to Samsung than Apple. If you're saying that there, some of the popular devices were around 250 bucks, never mind 399. This marketplace is mature now. The economic landscape, as I mentioned, a little bit soft now. And we're just going to see these prices continue to plummet. Mm. And I think I've noticed it to a certain extent in the Note coverage that I've done. I've seen some of the sentiment around the $1,000 plus smartphone. The Note series, always a premium smartphone. It's just not the value point. It's just hard to talk about it the way we used to talk about it in the presence of much cheaper devices. I don't care if you're on iOS. I don't care if you're on Android. Well, how does your daily life change all that much when you spend that much more money? I talked a lot about this in the Pixel 4a video. Mm -hmm. I could use that phone tomorrow and most things going to be the same for me, mm -hmm. especially with the camera in there. I mean, it's not going to be as fast. You know that you know the drill. Mm -hmm. It's not going to have everything, but... You know, if it's 90% of the way towards the experience I'm having, it's costing me three times as much money. What's the right advice for people right now? Right. Is it really to be, look, the, the, the premium is always going to be the premium. Yeah, the best of the best. But the smartphone right market is becoming like the, like, the, like the car market, like the vehicles. Okay, so a Mercedes is nice, a BMW is nice, but it's not the number one car on the road. Yeah. When it gets to, you know, place to place, what does it matter? Exactly. It gets you where it gets you where you're going, and you got a speed limit anyway. There you go. You got a speed limit anyway with the applications that you're now. We have seen this sub segment, the gaming segment, mm. right? Gaming smartphones. Now you can make a case for me. You could say, uh, I can really utilize this extra horsepower because I'm trying to get 90 FPS or something. And mm -hmm. who am I to say? what you do with your life. You want to get 90 FPS, then you're going to need the horsepower. But for the average person who's trying to boot up a YouTube video, average person who's trying to snap a nice photo of a Otis, yeah. 865, 765, okay. Mm -hmm. 855. I'm just saying numbers now. But people, yeah. the, the funny thing is I can just say numbers and people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That's the game. So <laughs> Apple leading the pack in North America for now. We'll see how things develop into the future, but people want cheap smartphones. I feel pretty comfortable and pretty confident saying that. Apple reportedly plans to launch a new bundled subscription service for music, news, and more. We have talked about this many times on the show. Uh, I remember when they had the big press moment and the really weird uh, event when they were announcing 
Apple News or TV. I can't remember which one it was. And they had all these celebrities come out in different, yeah. and they put the spotlight on the celebrity. And uh, yeah, it was just a very uh, surreal type of vibe to it. And they talk about what project they're doing. And then you got Tim Cook there. And it was all very quiet. Yeah. It was kind of like you were waiting for crickets to, to, in the background. But anyway, they want to get into, they want to continue their uh, march towards being your services company for all the stuff, all the services you need. And one of the barriers is the fact that they've got so many different products now. They've got News Plus, TV Plus, Apple Arcade, Apple Music, and iCloud. And they want you to pay for all these things. Well, here's the problem. If I got to sign up for each one individually, I'm starting to add it up myself and say, do I need every single one of those? A la carte style? It's going to cost you a few dollars, I would assume. If you have, what are Each one of those is like 10 bucks a month, hmm. right? So apparently they're going to bundle it together, maybe like Amazon does with Prime, something like this, and make it seem more affordable and likely apply a discount if you want to be a customer for all of these things. Hmm. And they'll probably encourage people to use the services more because right now, out of the bunch, I say, okay, maybe you go for TV Plus or maybe you go for Apple Music, which is probably the most popular of the bunch. But then getting another 10 out of me for Apple News Plus? Hmm. Good luck. But if it's part of the bundle, I'll say, I'll give it a shot. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. We don't have a price right now. Obviously, it's a... It's a rumor at the moment. Bloomberg reported on Thursday. This might be called Apple One. It's currently being referred to as Apple One by employees. Kind of a good name. I don't mind it. Apple One. Mm -hmm. It feels very simple and clean. It's one subscription to rule them all. I live entirely inside of my Apple ecosystem. I never go anywhere else. I read my Apple News. I watch my Apple TV Plus. I stare at my iPhone. I listen to my AirPods. It's like, what are you on right now? Well, I'm on the one. Yeah, I'm on one. I'm on that one. Apple one. So anyways, you guys let me know if you're going to sign up for something like this. They're making a lot of money, by the way, off services. $13.16 billion in revenue during Apple's fiscal third quarter, showing double-digit growth in services. Apparently, the only one lagging is the news product, as we may have sus suspected. I think I... Remember talking about the New York Times or one of those big publications actually pulled out of the Apple News deal because they were like, we're not making any money over here. What are we doing? Hmm. And then Tim Cook was sitting there saying, give us a little more time. Jeez, no. we just started this thing. That. And they and they're saying, they're saying, no, no, thank you. We're selling subscriptions, big money over here. We're, we got the paywall doing work. Yeah. Paywalls. I don't know about you, but a paywall it really kind of turns me off. Yeah, it uh it hits hard on uh, Lou later here. Yeah, I'm that. reading the news and paywalls. I just, I often will just look for a different source. I'll just be like, all right, fine, paywall. And uh, and the paywall doesn't prevent other sites from picking up the same story and even citing the story. I mean, this story here on CNBC is citing the Bloomberg story. Right. And the Bloomberg story is trying to get money from me. So I'm, I'm just like, is this feasible? I understand you want to support the stuff that you like. And if you're there on that source every single day, you can send throw a few bucks. It's, it's it's all right. But I'm on Google News. And if I'm on Google News, I see the Bloomberg story and I see the CNBC story of the same topic, one then the next. Mm -hmm. It's almost encouraging me to click the one that doesn't have the paywall. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's tough. It's a tough game, the paywall game. But 
Apple's trying to put it all behind the paywall, whether it's arcade, news, music, TV+. Plus. They want to be your wall, your wall to the web, and they put a gate. Mm. You see? It's Applegate. Yeah. Welcome to the one. Somebody named Applegate. Was that Michael Gate? Oh. Right? Isn't that somebody's last name? Uh, Christina Applegate. Oh, Remember? the actress? Yeah. There you go. Was she from uh what was that TV show back in the day? I it's not I can't find it right now. Love and Marriage? Yeah, yeah, that's the song. That's the song, but is that the actual name of the Yeah. Is that was that the name of that with uh, Al Bundy in yeah. it? Oh. Love and Mage? No, <laughs> it's a song. It is a song. That was the song in the intro of the show. But was that the name of the TV series? No. No, it wasn't. Wait. See? Yes, 96? it was. Yes, it yeah. was. Maybe it was. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it had a different name, man. Married with Children? Is it? it? Yeah, I think it was called Married oh, with Children. Yeah. What are we doing? Right. Look at us. Why did I? Why did that pop up? Why did that take that long to pop up in my mind? And was she in it or am I crazy? Yes, she was. Yeah, she was. Okay. All right. Me and Will are 72 years old. <laughs> That's all we learned here. Actually, that came out in 87. I certainly didn't watch in 87. 87, I was two years old. So I wasn't watching at that moment. But yes, Christina Applegate. Yeah. I just created an Applegate to the wall, and then somehow we ended here. But mm -hmm. that's the beauty of the show, Will. Oh, yeah. You never know where you're going to go. Nope. But one thing you do know is we'll always... Come right back or no? Find our way home. Yeah. We'll always find our way home. Homeward bound. <laughs> That's another that's another throwback right there. Apple, Ford, and Disney push back on Trump's WeChat ban. American companies, bit worried. Bit worried. They're sitting there saying, wait a sec, I think we do, I think we do stuff in China. Mm. So you got uh Disney. They say, I think people watch Disney in China. They call up Trump. Trump, I'm pretty sure we're, yeah. we're we we get some money in China. So and the same thing for Ford. Hey, we're, we, we sell a few cars in China. Hmm. This is not looking good. So they apparently they got in some big conference call. More than a dozen American companies, Apple, Ford, Walmart, Disney, pretty much anyone who's got business interests in, in China, they're all trying to figure out what does this mean for us? Hmm. They're trying to figure out, wait a sec, any transaction in WeChat? What if our whole operations team is using WeChat in China. What if uh, people are buying things from us through WeChat payment processing? I don't know. Apparently it's a content. There's a big content piece with WeChat. Can you get a Disney movie? Can, would you pay for a Disney movie using WeChat? Mm. I would assume so, right? Because in China, you pay for everything with WeChat. Yeah. So if you go to the movie theater, you're paying with WeChat. That's a transaction. Mm -hmm. And a transaction ends up back on U.S. soil in the form of Disney. So Disney says, what are you doing to us? We're making money in China. So everybody's banging down Trump's door to try to figure out and get some details, some specifics about how is this going to affect and impact me specifically. Mm -hmm. So wide variety of companies that could be impacted. We cannot understate how significant this is. Yes. Is that how you say that? Understate? Overstate? I don't care. It's important, all right? And it could impact everybody, pretty much, or anybody doing business in China or with China, for that matter.
uh, even distant relationships. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, what if I just have a company? What if we had a single employee? Well, we're in Canada, so it's a bit different. But let's say we were based in the U.S. And we had a single employee who worked out of China and he used exclusively WeChat. Are we transacting with this person? Mm. Is that allowed? Does he need another device? Do we, he, does he have to come into the Slack? No, no. <laughs> no, in no, the no. Corner over there. No, 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 no. No, I'm just joking. It's not allowed it's in terrible. the Slack. Terrible. That's what Willie Do says. I don't know. People are on both sides of this thing. Well, people are scared. People are worried about their daters. Mm. <laughs> Watch my daters. I don't need, you can't be sending my daters yeah. around planet Earth. I mean, first it was TikTok. Yes. And then WeChat was just WeChat, along for the ride. Chinese apps. And then Ford gets into it, Disney gets into it. Well, once it hit Tencent, you had to know it was everywhere because of how big they are. Yes. If you go, out, if you're going Tencent, then that's they're involved in everything. Like we we talked about in a previous show, they got all the games, they own all the game a lot companies. Of investments. Yeah, they're the they're US. just involved in so many things. I don't know that they're an investor necessarily in any of these companies that were on this call. There were a dozen companies, but you have to believe there are relationships and handshakes. We were talking about Ten Cent's deal with the NBA, for example. Mm -hmm. They just got a straight up deal. I don't remember what it was worth, but worth a tremendous amount of money. So, yes, big brands, Disney, it's not a surprise that they want clarification here. And who knows? They may be granted individual licenses. They, you know, they, the US government may say, Okay, Disney, we see what your scenario looks like, how you want to use it, and that's fine. Mm. But over here, we're not going to grant that license. And it's kind of what they did with Huawei. When they granted certain licenses, some things continued to flow, but only where they saw no issue or right. risk. And I would assume it'll go somewhere in the same direction, but for the time being, these companies are a bit nervous because they're making money in China. 95% mm -hmm. Of Chinese iPhone owners would abandon Apple without WeChat. So Whoa. follow up on the previous story about WeChat. This goes to show you the significance of WeChat in China, which again we've been talking about, but we couldn't really put our finger on. It was hard to know exactly how big of a deal WeChat was. We have both uh, witnessed the significance of WeChat a couple years back when we were in China, but it seems to only have grown in significance. Billion users at least, and daily users will. This is the operating system of the masses in china you log into wechat the first thing you do and you do most of your activities right within wechat it is pretty much an operating it's system. an os yeah it's very very important so when the talk of the wechat ban or the potential vanishing of the wechat app from the app stores globally started to come about the question then became what happens to apple's sales in iphone sales specifically in china Original estimations uh, from Ming Chi were like we're saying Apple could hurt up to thirty percent. Uh, I think I don't know if it was total shipments of units or revenue, but a thirty percent hit. But this, I mean, we have evidence here that it it is essentially a hundred percent of the Chinese market mm. in the absence of WeChat. Now this data is coming via Weibo, Chinese social media platform where 1.2 million people responded to a survey mm. on the platform. The question was whether or not they would continue to use an iPhone in the absence of WeChat being available for it, or if they would switch to another device in order to continue to use WeChat. Mm. And 
95% said they'd be done with Apple if they couldn't use WeChat on an iPhone. Hmm. That's a tremendous consensus. Yeah. It's huge. iPhone loyalists across China are now reconsidering their attachment to the device after Donald Trump issued an executive order last week barring U.S. companies from doing business with WeChat. Those are those transactions I'm talking about. The, uh, the ban threatens to turn iPhones into expensive electronic trash, said Hong Kong resident Kenny Wu, who sees WeChat as one of the most essential software on his handset. WeChat isn't just a messaging service. It's basically a whole operating system. The average Chinese person picks up their phone and immediately opens WeChat. Pretty much everything else they do happens within the single app. Payments, communication, social media. You can do, any, you can do anything in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is this is big. I mean, you start to understand why these phone calls are taking place. Tim Cook, he's on the line directly to to Donald over this stuff, mm -hmm. saying, "Look, man, we're going to lose the whole market." He's probably bringing this survey right now. This is money that we're currently earning. We're an American company. What can we do here? Can we cut a deal? Can we find a way? Can I get rid of, rid of WeChat everywhere else? Can I just have WeChat in China? Is that okay? Can I get you a free subscription to Apple One? Yes. That might solve it. I'll give you unlimited access to the Apple gate through the wall. Yeah. All the services, all the news you want to read. Of course, then he would say it's fake news anyways. Yeah. So. <laughs> he pulled out the Trump card again. Yeah, it's another Trump card is what he would be looking for. But if anybody was curious and it's a survey, so take it for what it's worth. A ton of respondents, but it is it is just a survey. 1.2 million responses with a billion users. See, that's a big number. I don't know if I've ever seen a survey with 1.2 million responses. Whatever. Take it for what it's worth. 95% of Chinese iPhone owners would abandon Apple without WeChat. ByteDance is not giving up on India the same way they're not giving up on the United States. They think there's a way to hang around to keep TikTok as the hottest app in the app stores around the globe. In India, they have gone straight to the guy you would go to if you were in India and you wanted your app to stick around. You go to Reliance, Geo, uh, Ambani. Ambani. You go see Ambani. You want to get something done in India. And apparently he's got a line. He's got a good relationship with the leadership there as well. And you say, you just bring a similar deal, don't you? In the same thing, way that they're working on it here to, to, to go after Microsoft and say, well, let's get something out of this. Just buy this piece from us. And then everything we built here, we can at least get some value for. Mm. And so Microsoft appears to be the potential suitor in the US, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, I believe. But that leaves a tremendous number of potential users up for grabs in India. India was the second biggest market for ByteDance outside of China, 200 million users. Not nothing. And so they go where you where you would go and they start having the, the conversation around what would the value of this be. Mm -hmm. And the number that gets tossed around is about three billion bucks. Now you might be sitting there saying, well, three billion bucks for 200 million users, that sounds like a steal of a deal because Microsoft is in the 30 to $50 billion range for way fewer users. But this is where I would explain to you how CPMs work on the internet. And if you're going, if you're going to run a, a business that eventually is going to generate its revenue through advertising, you have to ask yourself what could those CPMs and what is that advertising worth in those regions? What's the potential upside? 
Now, the other piece that I would put on top of that is the fact that it's already banned in India. A lot of the damage has already been done in India. The public sentiment in India, based on what I've read on the comments here, people are over it. They say, thank God it's gone. Mm. They're happy about it. And so you got to overturn that thing. Now, can Reliance do it? If anybody could, it would be them. Yes. TikTok's back and it's patriotic and it's it's local and it's be, it's creating jobs here and whatever they could say to try to make the case. Now, of course, I can ask the audience, our, our uh, Indian viewers, what they think if they would go back to the app. But in the meantime, since it's been banned, places like Facebook, their Reels product, Instagram, they've seen a 25% increase in usage and a bunch of upstart TikTok alternatives that are based and founded in India have also emerged and become substantially more popular. Mm -hmm. And so is there as much of a reason to go back to it or have people found alternatives and are they happy with those alternatives? Of course, we have to wait for the comment section to let us know what the real story is here. But nonetheless, you have to believe there's some value in it. It did have 200 million users. Hmm. Yes, these are the other examples here. There's a, a number that have emerged, couple locally grown and then Facebook's product with reels. So will they get a deal done? It remains to be seen. What I don't know is whether or not it would be possible for a company like Microsoft, who presumably has a decent relationship with India, to just assume the Indian piece as well hmm. and do business circumventing China. I don't know why that's not also up for discussion because they're already spending, If they let's say they spend $30 billion and this, the suggestion here is that the Indian piece is another $3 billion. Hmm. Why doesn't Microsoft just tag on that piece? Right, but again, probably the Indian government would be more f would be favorable to the idea of a local business reliance being in control of it. We'll see if something gets done, but it's currently banned, and that ban is approaching quickly in the United States as well. There's just not that much leverage sitting on the side of ByteDance right now, right. with all these world governments uh, <laughs> creating just suboptimal suboptimal circumstances for them to get deals done. You see, Instagram is in hot water for their very own mini little scandal here. They could face up to 500 billion in fines in a class action lawsuit alleging that it illegally harvested biometric data, biometric data in the form of face scans. Now, when you sign up for this stuff, you do sign a terms of service. You're probably wondering, how do I get tagged? How do they know who's who? How do they uh, generate these uh, the names for people what, what is it all based on now um, when you sign the terms of service you kind of agree to that but this particular lawsuit is pertaining to people who aren't even on the platform people who show up as a an extra in a photo and didn't sign the terms of service but all of a sudden their face data is now inserted into uh, instagram or facebook's database they've just got it sitting there to do whatever they want with at whatever point or potentially to train their algorithms. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's an asset that you have transmitted unknowingly onto their servers that you didn't necessarily sign up for. That's the, the case. Now, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Zuckerberg, whoever, they deny it. They say, we weren't doing that. We weren't gathering the face data. As you would say, if you were potentially on the hook for $500 billion, holy smokes. That's, that's, that's a lot of money, Will. Yes, it is. 
A new lawsuit accuses Instagram of collecting people's biometric data without their consent in violation of state law. Last month, Facebook, which owns Instagram, offered $650 million to settle a similar lawsuit alleging that Facebook photo tagging collected biometric data without users' consent. So they settled a case, similar case, for $650 million. Now, Will, $650 million is not $500 billion, mm-hmm. just to get that out of the way. And a lot of times with these lawsuits, you go for the just you go for the big number, don't you? And then you settle for something far less because you need to get the headlines. You want to apply the pressure. Right. Now, the way they got to this number is because under the law in Illinois, each single case of a potential violation could reward the individual up to $5,000. So they took the total number of Instagram users, whatever, 100 million potential, and then just multiplied it. Right. By the top level 5,000. They, they would never get that amount of money. It's, it's important for us to say that. It's very unlikely that they would ever get that amount of money. Now, for Facebook's part, they had a spokesperson say that the this suit was baseless and said that Instagram does not use facial recognition, which, look, I don't know the way these the, 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 this software operates. It appears to be very sophisticated and smart. And if it is a part of the terms of service, then you would assume it is doing it. Right. Which is the claim. But they do scan your face if you ever done like a filter or anything like that. There's there there's a the data. there's a scan going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh we'll see we'll see where it shakes out. It'll probably be another one of these settlements, but in the meantime, they're gonna continue to deny it. It is just an enormous scale. It goes to show you uh it goes to show you just the, the scope of a social media platform, the reach of a social media platform. You have the potential for a $500 billion lawsuit because of the footprint, because it's huge to begin with, because you have enough users to run your multiplier against. You say 100 million users, mm-hmm. they've all been impacted. Here's my class action. <clears throat> it's just a huge multiplier so effect. So if they do win, is Instagram over? No, they don't win. They don't win. This is, you know what kind of lawyers Zuckerberg's going to bring? Yeah. For them, winning would be getting the same $650 million that the other group got. They, that, that's amazing. $650 million, Will. You can do a few things. Yeah. They, can, they can cite the $500 billion, get the lawyers together in a room and say, yeah, you know what, we'll drop it, but, or, or we'll settle and take some lesser amount. And it seems crazy to say, but half a billion for Facebook is manageable. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. 500 billion, not so manageable. That's a tough day at the office, Mm -hmm. even for Facebook. Motorola teasing a smartphone event for September the 9th. September is creeping up on us, Will. They're going to be doing supposedly another version of their Razer, the foldable, clamshell foldable smartphone that we featured, I guess, was that a year ago now? Maybe, must be. They're going to flip the smartphone experience once again. Now, I don't know how much you remember about this phone, but it's it was a throwback to the original Razer. You have the folding OLED display with a cool-looking hinge and the chin on the device reminiscent of the original to give you all the nostalgic feelings you would be looking for. The new model probably isn't going to change all that much. Some early spec rumors say 5G, 6.2-inch display, 48-megapixel camera, 8 gigs of RAM, 256 storage, and 2845 milliamp hour battery. These same rumors also point at a Snapdragon 765 processor. I know they were with the 700 series back then as well. Sort of 
encouraging a more style-driven device, not necessarily a flagship caliber from a spec perspective, hmm. but more from a design perspective, or you know, just targeting those that were going to be purchasing the device because of how cool it was, not necessarily how what the spec list looked like. Hmm. Uh, but to see, the problem with the original was the price. The price of the thing was fifteen hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And this is that's just going to remain a really niche product at that price point, especially given the global the situ the climate, the economic climate right now. As we talked about at the beginning part of the show, the types of smartphones that people are gravitating towards are not fifteen hundred dollars. So if you want to sell seventeen units, you can do this. I'm not saying they sold seventeen units; they probably did better than that on the nostalgia alone. But whether you're the Galaxy Fold or you're this Razor or whatever you are, or even if you're the current Note, you gotta you curb your expectations to deal with the global climate. So those specs don't look that bad, but I'm more interested in the price. Mm-hmm. Can they bring this form factor under a thousand dollars? Can they bring this form factor to seven ninety nine? Because now the conversation changes, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying they can. I don't know if they can or can't. But cost price is that is the spec above all else right now. And Motorola is going to realize it just like anybody else would realize it. No matter how cool your smartphone is, it appears we have a very strong price threshold for uh, smartphone upgrades in 2020. But that's a very, I mean, that's a cool looking device. Very cool. It's a very cool looking device. Meet the hydrogen electric supercar hellbent on redefining high speed. This thing looks so cool, Will. It's hydrogen. It's not electric. It promises a thousand miles on a tank of hydrogen. It's called the Hyperion XP1, and it's a culmination of cutting-edge technology. Hmm. What do you think about the look of that thing? Scroll through some of these photos, by the way. If you uh, if you go down, you can click on "See All Photos," and you're gonna be blown away. I promise you that. No. Oh boy. <laughs> What's the matter? Hold on. You don't like the formatting? I need you to see this thing, Will. I hear you. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. Okay. They currently don't have the juicy performance specs, but the XP1 will allegedly do 0 to 60 miles per hour in 2.2 seconds, and the supercar will go 1,000 miles on a full tank of hydrogen. Apparently, they found a way to store these hydrogen tanks, which uh, is very efficient and you don't have all the weight on the bottom of the car like you do with a battery type of setup. And so they say this thing's going to handle. It's going to be lighter. Look at that thing. That's a spaceship. Come on, Will. Nothing? Yeah. Will. I mean, it's very cool. It's very cool. Looking. Will. They need to Photoshop it to be in traffic. These these shots are way too pretty. Mm. You got to put it in real life. Re- realism, Will. Yeah. Well, some of these do are sort of more rendery. But if you go up, go up to the ones closer to the top. And, no, keep going now. So, so the the other these ones look more real when you go to the second one, there. Like that looks like metal sheet, like stainless steel. Keep going down. Or this one of the hood. Now I understand it's not in traffic, but it looks more photorealistic. Yeah. Keep going a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how real these shots are. I agree with you on that. But it looks kind of. It's got a Bugatti type of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. I know you want to see it in traffic, but doesn't traffic kind of kill it as well? No, no. No? Okay. Well, that's where you're going to drive it, right? Or on a no. racetrack. No, you I don't. Mean. No, you don't. 
You have this car, you're never in traffic. A, you're never on in traffic. The 401 here? No, you don't take it on the 401. It's nice uh, accents, though. The, the blue? Yeah. Metallic It's color. very futuristic, but for whatever reason, Will's not into it, and he totally should be. <laughs> I am. So it's apparently actually going to enter produ production in the U.S. in just two years, and they're betting on hydrogen instead of hydrogen fuel cells instead of the EV setup, which is interesting because everybody's trying to get into the EV thing. You could have done an EV version of this and people have been all over it too. Hmm. But some are betting on the hydrogen. They say uh, it's less bulky. They say faster fill-up time hmm. compared to reach a recharge and zero emissions. I know there's all kinds of complexities with hydrogen, but they claim to have figured it all out. Cool. It's currently a prototype. Keep in mind, it could look a little bit differently, that, uh, different than it does in these images, but certainly check it out. Hyperion XP1 culmination of cutting edge technology. Not bad. That wasn't a commercial, but it kind of was. Uh, speaking of EVs and new cars and tech and our pal Elon Musk, he, once again, his tweet has made the news as people have wondered about a potential update to the Model S, Model X, and everyone's well aware that he's been testing out certain, what they're calling Plaid versions, Plaid editions, upgraded versions of the Model S on the Nürburgring in Germany to compete with the Taycans of the world and to set some records. What do you think of the name, Plaid? Plaid. As like an upgraded version. Well, he got it from Spaceballs. So it's, it's just meme lord stuff. Uh. And if you scroll down, that's actually how he made the news here in this particular article. This is the post that caused caused the ruckus that got Tesla, Tesla Roddy writing, which is the site that we're on, which got us talking about it. That's the tweet that caused it all. One day soon I will wear this outfit. And it's a guy from an old TV show wearing a serious plaid suit. But the plaid thing is, I believe it's from Spaceballs, and plaid is the highest level setting for speed on one of the spaceships. Oh. And that's why plaid is even above ludicrous. And I could be completely wrong, in which case you're going to prove that right now. No, there you go, into plaid. So yeah, it was a, it's me, me, meme lord stuff. Oh. Anyway, people are waiting for some sort of update on the Model S and X, and he puts out this tweet, one day soon I will wear this outfit. Cryptic, of course, as it would be, but seeming to imply to many that at this next event, an anticipated battery day event, which he'll be announcing some things, people think they may hear a little something-something about a potential plaid version of the Model S to get people thinking, to get people talking about Tesla once again, and speed which the two things, they sort of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that, Will. When is the event? Battery Day is scheduled to be held September 22nd. So you don't have to wait too long. It's funny because currently the Model 3 actually has some capabilities that the Model S doesn't have uh, on a track. And so the Model S really needs some type of update like this to, mm -hmm. to reclaim its crown at the top of, as the flagship unit mm -hmm. within the fleet. That's how the flagship concept gets its name. It's a fleet of ships. It's right. the flagship, carries the flag. Right. SpaceX Starship. This image shows the next prototype's giant size. I don't know if you know how big these things are, Will. These enormous 
uh, starships. But if you scroll down just a little bit, it'll give you an idea. You see next to a person, there's a person in a yellow shirt standing next to the one on the right. That's a big, that's a lot of steel right there. My goodness. Well, you know, Elon, he's trying to get up there to space. Any part of space that'll take him. Maybe it's not Mars yet, but maybe it's the moon. Something like that. This image demonstrates the impressive size of these early models, even as they lack the features expected in the final design. The final ship is expected to measure 50 meters or 160 feet with a diameter of 30 feet. However, you got to put a booster on there. How about a super heavy booster to get up out of here, get up off Earth? That is going to add a further 230 feet. So your, your actual finished thing is 400 feet tall. Whoa. Can you, can you envision that? Standing in the presence of 400 foot, a 400 foot beast that lifts off, that just zooms into outer space. Pretty impressive. You're happy about that? Well, oh, yeah. the other cool thing, or at least the thing that I, a thing that I noticed in here, which is uh, kind of uh, pointed me towards the Cybertruck, is the fact they changed the alloy the material from 301 to 304L for one of its test tanks. And Musk explained that the company was rapidly changing alloy constituents and forming methods. And it got me thinking just about the integration across the multiple Elon Musk brands and how we were just talking about the steel on the Cybertruck yesterday. And, and here we are seeing some super high, high level alloy experimentation mm. and uh, swapping from one material to the next and you wonder what kind of findings that could take place in this really high stakes space travel experiment in the form of spacex how those technologies or those findings could work their way into consumer products mm. it's kind of cool right yeah. it's a cool thing to think about yeah i mean it's it has to be super durable right be in space and then try to oh uh, it's, it's it got to deal with the super it's got to deal with super high heat as well right yeah. and, and the shields will be needed the starship is expected to enter the atmosphere at speeds of around 16,777 miles per hour so i don't think i can drive my cyber truck that fast but i also i don't think i'm getting the same alloy either what is the what are they calling the steel on the cyber truck it's also got a fancy name 300 series stainless steel. Didn't they say exactly what it was in the previous story from yesterday? I don't know. They said cold rolled, which I liked. But yeah. anyway, you learn with SpaceX, you throw it into Tesla, you mix it all around, and what do you get? Something very cool. You get I a hope. happy willy do. Yeah. Massive Mozilla cuts threaten the future of Firefox. Did you ever use Firefox? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did for years. This is actually a bit of a sad moment for me here because prior to Chrome, I was Mr. Firefox, dude. Big time. Yeah? Yeah, I used to go around town and say hello there, Mr. Firefox. Why'd you like it? I don't know. It had a cool name. No, okay. it was lighter weight than whatever Microsoft had at the moment. And it, it had a certain aesthetic to it that I enjoyed. 
Well, they never stopped doing it, but they never made a lot of money either. I didn't know this. The Firefox browser itself, they had other products that were, were making money, but the Firefox browser they didn't really make much off of it. And now, in the midst of this pandemic, they're actually talking about laying off 250 people. Is that what I read? That's a lot of people. Can it really be that many? How big are, how big are they? 250 employees laid off, yes, including significant cuts to the Firefox team. It is now questionable if Firefox will survive the cuts, and if so, what its survival will look like. The company said, we got to start focusing on economics. We can't just be making things for free and for fun, which makes sense. It's kind of a key characteristic. Got to make a few bucks to keep doing it. They said their previous business model was difficult to sustain. They may likely shift into a greater focus on, on paid components of their business like Firefox, VPN, and Pocket. I didn't even know they owned Pocket. So they, 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 there are a couple of business opportunities there, but 250 employees, I wonder how many employees they had. That sounds like a big number. They've been around for 20 years, as mentioned. They were, it was one of my favorite browsers. I don't use it much anymore. Which browser are you using these days? Chrome, right? Yes. Same. Kirk was trying to get me into the Brave thing for a bit. Mm. Uh, the browser game. Yeah. There are some options out there, but... Chrome is really easy. Microsoft put out a new browser, didn't they? Maybe they'll get me back. Probably not. Hmm. Probably not. It's I got so much stuff wrapped up. I'm all wrapped up in Google. Yeah, I hear you. They, Google's got me all wrapped up. In a warm blanket. Yeah, too much data. Man, I was looking at my data today, actually. Really? Yeah, I dove in there. What kind of data? I was just checking out because you remember the other day we were looking at some of the features with inside, inside of your Google account, just how much it knows and all the things it's tracking. You can get it. You can get access to all of it, hmm. whatever it knows about you. So I was just diving through there. What do they think about me? What do they know about me? Hmm. How much history? How detailed? And then I got into the location-based stuff, all the places I've been. I, I used to travel so much, so I was looking, comparing different years. And 2020, my circle is like this. You know, it's all travel within a very uh, small region. And then you go back a couple years and you just see dots all over the place. And I don't know, it's kind of interesting, but it is also sort of creepy as well. And a lot of people want me to speak on that because some a lot of these Chinese firms are coming under increasing scrutiny for collecting data. And it's just, it, it is important to say, to, to at least uh, broadcast the fact that Data is a core component of how all this stuff works. Mm -hmm. Data collection, whether it's Facebook, Google, Apple likes to tell that there's less of it that happens with them or that it stays on the device. They appear to do some things there, but then they also operate in China and have right. servers in China. And so it's you see how complicated this whole thing is, but it is important to note that companies uh, in, in, in all sorts of regions surrounded by all sorts of borders, are implementing similar strategies around data accumulation, data leveraging, data-based marketing, data-based persuasion. This is the future we're living in, Will. A lot of data. It's a data future.